It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Golazzo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me this week is Manu Vett. Manu, how are you? Uh, I'm pretty good, really good. I mean, um, busy day today. We double recording. We recorded gig pressing just before that. So, um, yeah, it's busy day, Bryce. But how about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good. As you said, we're double podcasting we just dropped chris off um i think he needed probably some rest after all the miles uh, that he's covered in the last few days going across uh, germany and that and him then going to uh, anfield tomorrow so uh, it's just two men standing our um our third um musketeer um is still stuck at ikea unfortunately but but one day he'll finish his meatballs and rejoin us, I, I feel. And you all know that I'm referring to Ollie. And no doubt he'll be listening to this, um, agreeing that one day he'll, he'll come back all in good time. Cause he still messages me, uh, and you, uh, in, in our WhatsApp group, uh, about the different goings on in Mexican football. So we know he's still tuning in. So I do some, see some weird tweets from him about the, uh, the Swedish second division and the Swedish cup and, yeah, no, the best thing is he, wants to know about that. he does it with like his handle still having the Mexican flag on it. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> I think he's still waiting for them to uh, to t- take him back. He do send him back to Liga MX. To be fair, he does still do Liga MX. I think until the Swedish season fully kicks off. Okay, and uh, that's pretty soon, isn't it? Oh yeah, unfortunately right. for him, it is. Yeah. But, but who really knows or cares? We're, we don't need to focus about uh, the Swedish second division, do we? Um, we're going to speak about, well, CONCACAF Champions League to, to begin with. And um, yeah, we, we've seen all the Mexican sides get through, some closer than others. But it, it means that we do have the matchups for the next rounds. Uh, rounds that are taking place midweek this week and then I believe next week as well, Manu. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, let, let's talk about the first matchup. Well, uh, which one we go for? Yeah, let's go for Club America. Let's um let's see uh well folks about their game. They're they're taking on uh, is it Taro? Is that how it's pronounced? FC. They they put out um FC Dallas in the yeah. previous round, unexpected, mm-hmm. and they come all the way from Panama City. Um, yeah, as I said, unexpected. But can they um can they possibly put the like, Club America out or or Club America going to be too strong, Manu? Well. First of all, I have to say, this is such a great story. Um, Tauro FC, what's, what's going on with them right now? And the, the story of Panama qualified for the World Cup, right? Um, yeah. So this is, this is really, um, there's something happening in football in Panama at the moment. Uh, it's, it's really interesting because we get a lot of football players from Panama in, in MLS, Major League Soccer, a league that I cover quite closely because I'm the, Pro Soccer USA correspondent for the Vancouver Whitecaps. So, um, it's a league that we cover. We also cover on the Football Grad Network, of course, with the, um, Don't Call It Soccer podcast with Jack Rims, right? So this is, this is a, we cover quite a lot of Panamanian footballers, but, um, the league football has never really been that big of an impact. And Tauro FC putting out FC Dallas, um, on away goals. It was really tight. Um, is, is a big story. It's an, it's an interesting story. And yes, I think Club America will be too strong for Tauro FC. Um, remember the, the, the big difference is for club, 
Liga MX sites and Major League Soccer sites that this this weekend. So when I was in Vancouver on Sunday, that was match day one of Major League Soccer, right? So they have um, what I like to call the Soviet problem. Um, the in the post-Soviet space, the the winter break is very long. It's from November to to pretty much now, right? Because they have that that a winter a very long winter break. MLS does the same thing because there is places in in North America where you can simply not play. I mean, one of the Concacaf Champions League games in and the last round was Toronto against Colorado, and the game took place at minus seventeen degrees and snowfall and two um two kilometer height at, at the Mile High City in Denver, right? So there is still right even right now there's places in in North America where you simply can't play, and so. MLS sides have a big disadvantage in the first round that they are basic. These are the first games of the season for them. Um, that said, Club America will not, will not be surprised by any means because we know from covering Liga MX, right? This is 10, we already 10 match days into the Clausura. So, uh, Club America will be fit. Club America made no prisoners in that, um, in that, that last round, they um, absolutely destroyed Saprissa in Costa Rica. Um, big showing by them, winning 5-1 and then um, drawing them out to a 1-1 draw and basically what was a glorified friendly at that point, right? So, yes, Tauro is a great story and there's great stuff happening in football in Panama. Um, this is a country that's going to the World Cup. It's a country that's producing very good football players. Um, it's also the home of Kevin Kurani, of course, you know, who played for Germany. Um, so there is some really great stuff happening there, but I think Tauro FC will be a massive underdog in this match. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree with you on that. If they could manage to put out um, another big side, they'd be doing a, a hell of a job. But uh, I would imagine that Club America, with how serious that they seem to be taking the competition, will be too strong for them. Uh, uh, it seems like Toro FC did win the Apertura there. They did, did finish after 18 games, 34 points, only losing twice, which is uh, pretty impressive. But the, um, say the closer has not really been going that well for them, sitting down in a lowly eighth um, after nine games with only 10 teams in that league. Uh, but again, we've seen with Liga MX sides as well, they're maybe focusing on the continental challenge rather than the domestic one um, on different occasions, and maybe they're doing the same. Um, it's it's hard to know. It's, the club are only thirty year, thirty four years old as well, so fairly new. So quite an exciting time actually for Toro FC. And as you said, with Panama going to the World Cup, there's there's a lot of positive things coming uh, out of the country there. Um, unfortunately, I don't think the next round is going to be a, a positive one for them. I think Herrera and his side will just be, um, well, they've got one eye on, on the prize there, I, I think. And um, they're probably going to be happy with this draw compared to um, the other three um, Liga MX sides that we're going to talk about. And uh, this is probably the moment that we move on to, um, well, another one which I would say is, is a big tie. Even uh, even though we've got two bigger ties, and let's talk about uh, Tijuana taking on New York Red Bulls. Manny, you you know a bit more about um, MLS football um, compared to myself, anyway, with you living in North America. Um, but you you do specialize in Liga MX as well. And what side do you see uh, coming out on top there? You mentioned obviously the winter break. Um, for the MLS sides, uh, Tijuana have, have obviously got quite a few match days under their belts, but who do you see coming out on top of this, Cholos or, or the Red Bull? Oh, this is um interesting one because in New York Red Bulls, they of course, they're the Red Bull family club, right? Um, they are part of the the teams uh, at which, a chain of teams at which end of the chain is RB Leipzig, you know, the, the they are all more or less supposed to be one day become feeder clubs, although they're very careful and avoiding saying that. But, you know, that this is the idea behind this entire structure. So um, NYRB is, is a very well-run club, Bryce. It's one of the better-run teams in MLS. It's a team that always is thereabouts um, when it comes to finishing in the top in the Eastern Conference. But at the same time, is not really been a team that's, you know, title winning machine either. 
Um, they were, of course, the Metro Stars. Remember that founding member um, of MLS? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, that's that was the name of the club before Red Bull bought them. But it's just, yeah, um, I'm not convinced uh, that the 2017 uh, Lama Hunt U.S. Open Cup winner um, has enough to dislodge Tijuana. The big problem for me is that winter break. It's that's um, it's just so hard to judge how how teams will do at this stage, right? Because they had they, they had their first um, match this weekend. Um, they had the two games against Olympia in the in the last round, and um, if that is enough, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, if, if we look at Cholos, I mean, obviously a, a win at the weekend, but um, I think most teams do fancy themselves at home when they're taking on Lobos side that don't travel so well. Um, well, a, a lot of teams like to take on Lobos regardless, I think. Uh, Tijuana have uh, struggled for goals, uh, but they are tight at the back, and that's something that uh, can really come into uh, play and be, be very useful when it comes to a cup yeah. competition. And I suppose uh, you know New York are, are, are going to struggle, I think, to, to break them down, if I'm being yeah, honest. I, I actually need to add to this, Bryce, because I made a slight mistake. Um, I, I should have realized this right away. Um, New York was actually one of the teams that had a buy in the, on match day one in MLS because it's an uneven number of teams this season. So they actually had a buy. So this is actually only their third game. They didn't even have an MLS game yet. Um, yes, maybe a bit much, um, at this point to, to really hope that they can, that they can pull one off. I, I saw them last year in, in this stage of the, um, CONCACAF Champions League because they were playing Vancouver and um, got eliminated by Vancouver at this stage. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think they will almost take this as a two friendly opportunities. I just can't see them go very deep in, in this competition, Bryce. I think Tijuana will have this one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not just because we're siding for the Mexican signs, but I, I, I think uh, Club America will be too strong for Toro FC. Sorry, uh fellas and um, I think uh, Cholos um, I, I, I think they're going to be stronger I, I would fancy them even if uh, New York Red Bulls um, had several games under their belt but I think I think the real deciding factor is going to be the momentum you know and we, we mentioned didn't we that uh, Liga MX has such a tiny tiny uh, gap in between both campaigns and, and I feel that they've they're going to be um, well-practiced. They're going to have their match fitness, and I, I think they're going to do just okay. I, I, I fancy them to win um, at home and then away from home, uh, probably just seeing the tie out, if I'm being honest. But um, a, a fascinating game, which um, we're going to move on to, which sees one of the Mexican sides away from home. We're going to talk about the next two, where both the Mexican sides are away, is Toronto FC taking on Tigres. Um, this is, well, uh, what you would have labeled, Manu, as one of the big games. Mm, this is a monster of a game in the region. This is the current MLS champion facing off against the current Liga MX champion, you know, the upper tour champion against the um, Liga MX, uh, the MLS Cup winner, um, supporter shield. So the supporter shield prize is the trophy given to the team that finishes with the most points in the regular season and the Canadian Cup winner. Um, so this is actually the, the trophy that Toronto needs to win to qualify for this tournament. They do not qualify via the league, um, because they are a Canadian team. They have to actually qualify for the Champions League, um, via the Canadian route. They cannot qualify via MLS. Um, so it, it's kind of confusing for some people. Um, the championship, the MLS championship is actually not how they got to this tournament. They got to this tournament by winning the Canadian championship. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask that because I was, I was looking at the MLS table um, earlier and I was trying to figure out where the Colorado Rapids were sitting. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I was like, what exactly has gone on there? Well, yes. Okay. This is, this is another interesting one. So the, uh, some of the MLS teams actually qualified for this competition in 2016. So the, the previous season, because, um, the CONCACAF Champions League actually starts in 2017. Um, there's, there's, um, two regional tournaments that flow into this 
the later stages of the tournament. So there's the Caribbean Cup, and then there is the uh, Central American Championship, um, which sends each of those tournaments sends a winner. Uh, and some, well, right now, I, one of the federations, Guatemala, is suspended. So right now it's uh, one and two. Um, so those teams um, were in the first round. Cibao, for example, qualified via the Caribbean Cup. And I believe it was Olympia and they qualified via the Central American Championship. Right. So that's why, um, it's actually the 2017, 18, um, continental title, but it's the 2018 Champions League because this is the only this stage is labeled Champions League, but the tournament actually goes over the 17, 18 season. So this is why you see, um, Colorado who had a poor season last year in MLS in the 2017 season. They actually qualified this comp for this competition in 2016. So this is something that people that remember the, the, a time where there was the, a lot of the teams in Eastern Europe played, um, on a, you know, on a season long schedule. They would usually qualify for a campaign six months before a campaign would even kick off. So this is the same for, for MLS side. So Colorado won this on their 2016 merits. Same with uh, New York Red Bulls. Um, also, the Seattle Sounders—they actually the they went in as the 2016 MLS Cup champion. So the the team, uh, sorry, the 2017, uh, 2016 MLS Cup champion. Yeah, the team that won it before Toronto. So this this makes this um, a bit confusing if you look at this, but it's because it's actually 17-18 season. Well, that would explain it then. Yeah. <laughs> it a lot of these North American uh, nations don't seem to uh, make it very easy to understand, uh, well, if I'm being honest. It's the mixed schedules, right? Because a lot of the most of the countries are on that 17, are on the same schedule that you get in Europe, but MLS isn't. And that's, um, yeah, it's a topic that we, we want to discuss at one point on the Don't Call It Soccer podcast, but it's it's done um, for one reason is because places like Utah or Colorado, even Toronto, become very unbearable to play in in the winter time. Um, other places, you know, there's there's several other places where it might be better not to play in the summer. I think of places like Dallas, Houston. Um, you know, they they become unbearably hot. But this is, I mean, this is a price that you have to pay pay on a continent that is this vast. It's a huge place, right? So. Um, the, the guest has figured it's easier to play in the heat than it is to play at minus 17 degrees in Colorado. Yeah, that, that's, that's very understandable then. And that's, that makes perfect sense. Um, but, um, uh, if, if we move on to the final game and possibly the biggest tie, in fact, the tie I was just before this podcast trying to chalk you into going to be. Seems like you've just got too many games to cover these days. Hence is the, uh, life of the, uh, one, one of the, well, one of the main contributors and the owner of uh, Football Grand Live, eh? Um, is uh, Seattle Sounders taking on Achievers? Mm. Um, Seattle Sounders uh, played at the weekend uh, in the MLS, taking on uh, the new side, um, LAFC, which um, actually has the likes of Carlos Vela in it. But um, they managed to lose a 1-0. It was a good start by LAFC. And by the help, by the looks of it, a, a hell of a crowd turned out to see them. Fantastic stuff. But, um, Manu, uh, uh, let's get away from the MLS side of things. I'm sure you may have a podcast coming up uh, talking about all that. Uh, but how, how do you see this tie going then? I, I, I'm going to you once again because um, I feel that Chivas are going to take it seriously. But Chivas have not had the best of times, have they, in, in the last you know, since winning the uh, competition uh, last year. Um, you're currently sitting down in 16th. It's it's not been a good campaign for them at all, but I go to you because you obviously know a little bit more about MLS and what I do. Look, Bryce, so th those two games, Toronto FC versus Tigers and Seattle Sounders versus Chivas, there's a lot online for MLS. And this is because, um, Toronto FC, of course, are the current MLS champion. Um, yes, they didn't get to CONCACAF through that route, but they still represent the league as the best team in the league. And they have the sort of squad depth and financial muscle that would make them a contender in Liga MX as well, right? Uh, the problem is then we'll have to show this on Wednesday night, uh, 5 p.m. kickoff 
West Coast uh, 8 p.m. kickoff, East Coast, they will have to show this um, at BMO Field. They have to actually show that they can play on that level. And the same is true for the Seattle Sounders. This is the other team. Seattle Sounders and Toronto played the last two finals against each other in the MLS, right? Seattle won it in 2016. Toronto won it in 2017. These The Seattle Sounders are the best team in the West. Um, they are one of the two biggest teams in terms of franchise value and in terms of squad depth and finances. They're also a team that attracts, um, I think they average almost 50,000 people a game at the, at the Emerald City at the Century Link Field, um, which is a fantastic facility. So there is a lot of on the line for MLS, right? Because MLS is trying to grow. They like, they'd like to compare themselves to Liga MX, which is the other big player in North America is a bit different that there is two very big leagues. Um, one that's come up and coming and one that's very established. Um, and that's, um, MLS is of course the up and coming one and Liga MX is the one that's very established. So for MLS, um, they're always trying to stress that this is an important product, that they, this is an important time for them to become a serious league. They, they have changed completely the way they, they, they conduct transfers, the way they bring in players. One of the things that we highlighted on the Don't Call It Soccer podcast was that this season, um, 25 South Americans joined and the average age was 21.7, right? So it's not longer a retirement league, but, um, the measurement is how will the big teams fare against the big teams in Liga MX and Shivas, yes, you're right. Uh, full season, you said 16, they would be 16th, right? Yet they're still, um, they qualified for this tournament as the Clausura champion. Um, last year. So th- there's a lot of prestige on the line because if Seattle Sounders were to go out against Chivas, that would just point out, okay, well, MLS isn't there yet. If Toronto goes out against Tigres, which is, I mean, this is a 50-50 game and it's, it's, it definitely could happen, especially with the second game being in Mexico. There's a lot on the line too because this is the most expensive squad assembled outside of Liga MX and this continent. And let's say they go down 4-5-0 in one of the two legs. That would be a major disaster, a PR disaster for Major League Soccer. So it's it's interesting. And then on the other hand, for Tigres and Chivas, there's a lot on the line because if they go down against these up-and-coming sides, especially with Chivas, right, that are already struggling so much with things that are going on, then that would be a major PR disaster too. So there's a, these two games... They're almost like um, an all-star game between the two leagues, if that makes any sense. Yeah, most certainly is, isn't it? I, I imagine um, there's going to be a, a lot um, on the line for for all sides, but also for fans of each league. You know, we we always see um, a lot of similarities um, within the leagues. You know, maybe the way that they approach things, but but also. You know, two leagues that really want to differentiate from each other, and yeah, I think um, I think you're right in labelling that it would be the old versus the new. But um, if if we look at all four of these ties, Manu, how, how, how do you see them going? Do do you see any of the MLS sides um, being able to um, to win, especially after they've just had a break? They're, they're they don't quite have the momentum as we mentioned. Yeah, and Toronto lost their opening match against Columbus, which was a surprise. I watched this game, and of course, Toronto, the defending champion, and they absolutely dominated Columbus, but Columbus got two goals. So not a great start um, into a week that has such a defining game, right smacked in the middle, right? So uh, it'd be interesting to see. I think Toronto will try to rebound straight away. The advantage is, of course, that their home game was against Columbus and they're going to be able to stay in Toronto. Um, it's still pretty fresh in Toronto temperature-wise, so a bit of an adjustment for Tigris that have to travel up north. I'm curious. I'm really curious to see this. I, I think it's going to be a fascinating clash and... Um, Toronto will have to get a result in the first leg because it's going to be mighty tough to play um, down in Monterey. Um, if Toronto do get a result, let's say a win, then I think this will turn into a 50-50 game. Um, if they don't get anything but a win, then I think Toronto will go out. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it is uh, going to be interesting. Do, do you see if uh, Chivas go out at this stage, Manu, that it's going to pile on the pressure uh, for likes of uh, Almeida? And um, do you think that they will possibly... We, we mentioned uh, before that it might be that they feel that they're lucky to have him. Do you see this maybe forcing him to uh, move on or for them to make the decision to then uh, relieve him of his position? Well, there was an article by Tom Marshall today saying that this is the competition that they want to focus on. Now, of those two clashes of giants, I actually think that Seattle are the team that have an advantage um, in this particular tie because, yes, Seattle also lost the opening match. There seems to be a bit of a hangover with uh, the MLS Cup finalists um, against LAFC, right? So they, they actually got their... Carlos Vila's magic assist, um, provided the opening goal. Um, so they already got their, they already got that little bit of gold feeling because right? Carlos Vila, of course, um, has that background. Uh, I think though that Seattle might just rebound and Chivas, mm, yeah, I, I did not, I mean, we watched Chivas. We have been kind of wondering what's going on with Chivas, right? For weeks now. And if you want to be of the two clashes of giants, I think Seattle got the easier of the two draws um, by being tied to Chivas. I think Toronto would have probably rather had Chivas and meet Tigers at a later stage uh, of this tournament. I think we all would have liked that, um, that Toronto and Tigers meet at a later stage of the tournament because they're just the two teams that have the biggest financial muscle on this continent. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I would imagine that Seattle were probably happy to get Chivas instead of Tigres. Tigres obviously have experience now of a wit, not just a winning on different, um, on different competitions, but of managing to, um, pull it together and really, um, mounting a challenge when, when they need to. You know, we, we've obviously said that after a slow start in, in Liga MX, uh, Clausera, that, you know, not to rule them out, and so you know, they've obviously climbed up the table. You know, no defeats in the in their last five, and winning the last three, and they just have this winning mentality to them, don't they? And it's going to be very hard for uh, Toronto FC uh, to come in and and possibly find the momentum to to rise up against them, especially after that loss and after that break. And yeah, I think I think Tigres are are going to be a hard team for anyone to uh, take on, even the the other Mexican sides. But, um, Manu, you, you spoke about um, Tom Marshall. I mean, uh, if anyone that's into uh, Mexican football doesn't follow him on Twitter, I just don't know what you're doing. Um, you, you need to uh, to follow him because he sent out another tweet, didn't he, just about the amount of uh, Mexican eligible starters in Liga MX this past weekend. Because I, th I think someone else was uh, speaking about US eligible mm -hmm. starters. Well, what, what is this all about, Manu? Yeah, I'm not sure if this is... Uh journalists kind of dicking at each other um, because it's kind of interesting uh, Travis Clark posted the numbers um, of, of players um, US based players playing for MLS sites and some of the teams you know like some of the teams only fielded one or two US um, US players that are legible to play for the US national team Seattle Sounders of course fielded six um, so that's that's slightly better um, the numbers that Tom Marshall then tweeted, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, the worst is America with three, but most teams have four, five, uh, five, six, um, Pachuca, Atlas, seven, Pumas at eight, um, Obviously Mexico legible well, starters, <laughs> Chivas, of course, you know, Chivas don't have a choice. Everyone has to be, although you, I think you can be Mexican born, but play for the United States and still be legible to play for. I don't think you have to be legible to play for the Mexican national team to play, to fall under the Mexican only rule. But yeah, um, it's interesting though, because on the other hand, yes, this number does look better than the MLS, but then you look at Tigres in America. Those are two sides in the CONCACAF, right? Three and four. Um, Tijuana, of course, has five. And, uh, whereas our last team, Chivas, of course, Chivas 11. So yeah, um, the numbers are actually not that different. It's interesting. Um, 
really interesting when you look at this. Someone, of course, underneath asked there if, if there's a correlation between with Chivas and Atlas being some of the worst teams with the most Mexican uh, legible starters. Well, <laughs> I guess well, you can you can look at it either way, right? <laughs> yeah, that, I suppose that kind of backfired a little bit with this yeah. statement, but it it does reach a little. You know, it's very interesting facts, uh, I think, um, and everyone can draw their own conclusions from it. But uh, it does seem like um, journalists. Um, not attacking each other, but almost having a bit of fun with each other, I think, would be a, a stats. Um, and, um, yeah, quite interesting. Um, let's talk a, um, a little bit, uh, Manu, uh, something that's been a hot topic uh, with Liga MX uh, in the last few months, and that's uh, promotion and relegation uh, and the debate there. I mean, uh, we fought for a very brief period that uh, Veracruz were going to avoid relegation um, this campaign, but it turns out um, it's going to be as of effect next year, year's time, that um, the league is going to expand to 20 teams. Um, so, um, yeah, what, what what exactly do you think this means for the league? Do you think it's a good thing to add to other teams? And does it mean that there will still be relegation or, or not for that year? It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, so this is the which is going with what basically what Tom Marshall wrote in his latest ESPN article, right? Um, this has been rumblings that have been going on about promotion relegation. There was, I think, there was what was the plan again, Bryce? Was it five years that they were going to stop promotion and relegation, or three years? Do you remember the exact number? That was something else yeah, that was floating uh, around. I was gonna say three years, but don't quote me on that. I think um, it's on a later part uh, where we actually had the number in front of us, but. I mean, this is um, a two-year suspension of promotion and relegation, but it doesn't mean the league is going to be closed. Instead, they're going from 18 to 20 teams. Now, there's also been talk that they're going to weed out any audit, any club that's having structural issues in the first division, right? So it sounds almost like that they're going to go a little bit like MLS style, find the 20 best locations in the league, close it for two years and then allow the uh, Asensio to make the structural changes that need to be done because they want that every um, every stadium has a minimum capacity of 20,000, which is fair. I mean, um, that's, the, that's the kind of requirements that the German league has um, that you, in order to play in the Bundesliga or even in Bundesliga 2, you need to have certain stadium requirements and infrastructure requirements and if that's sort of what it takes to do that, sure. Um, I think the danger is, of course, that once you close promotion and relegation, how are you going to open it back up, right? Um, there's been a lot of talk about promotion and relegation. Uh, there's really only two leagues on this planet that don't have promotion and relegation, and that's Major League Soccer that are now being sued for it um, in front of CAS by a group of people. And then there's the A-League in Australia, and the A-League in Australia is actually ending um, the, that, the, the league structure that they're having now and they're bringing in promotion and relegation. So I think, yes, going to 20 teams, sure. But Bryce, I mean, how often have we talked about this? Where are you going to find those 20 locations? Right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a very, very tricky one, isn't it? And I, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's going to be true. It's going to be a hard one, I think. But the sides coming up. I mean, we've seen with uh, Lobos, haven't we? That it, it, it's hard to go from a one league to another. You know, it's they make the uh, promotion and relegation so challenging that it's um it, it it's setting it up for two other sides to come up and and really struggle and really have a hard time in the league. I think, and it also means that. You know, the poor sides that we have. I mean, 
Veracruz will obviously go down this year, but say, say whoever takes uh, Veracruz's uh, place, and I don't mean as in promotion, but in that you know that poorer side at the bottom of the table. I mean, it means that that more dire side that instead of dropping down out of the league deservedly so are going to be hanging around once again and um, it's going to be a tricky few years I, I think it might be um, a good thing uh, for Mexican football in the long run you know it's it, there's going to be more Mexicans that I'm sure uh, Tom Marshall can talk about you know starting for these sides instead of playing for 18 teams playing for 20 teams but it's I, I don't I don't know whether just at the moment the the quality in the sides in the Asensio are there um, to uh, to fill out twenty spots. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a good thing for uh, El Trey. What what do you think, Manu? It's um, it's a good question. I mean, I'm looking right now at the Asensio teams. I have them right in front of me, Bryce. So I see. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams that have stadiums 20,000 or more. And then, um, so that's the Dorados de Sinaloa with 20,108. Um, the Capitaleos, um, they have 21,000. Uh, Celaya with 23,000. Um, Zacatepec uh, with 24,000. Atletico San Luis, of course, Atletico Madrid's junior team, right? 25,000. Potros uh, UAM um, from Toluca. It's another university team, and um, I, I suggest everyone look at this stadium because it's a it's a weird one. <laughs> it's a very weird looking stadium, but it has the right capacity um, with thirty two thousand. Although I suspect it's not exactly what they're talking about when they mean infrastructure, good infrastructure. Um, and then of course Leonos uh, Nikos from uh, Guadalajara. They play in the Jalisco. Um, so, you know, a stadium that's being used by Atlas and has been used by Chivas in the past. And that stadium has the capacity. So I guess that would be, those are the sides that could come up. Um, I guess that's what they could do. I get they could go with more sides from the capital. Um, another side from, from Guadalajara. Um, I suspect that someone, some, a side like Atlante, um, that play, in um, Cancun, you know, that they will get a look at. Although I've heard that Atlanta might move back to Mexico City. Um, that's where they were originally from and before they got moved to Cancun. So that is, of course, another possibility. There's talk that they're going to move into Cruz Azul Stadium and Cruz Azul is, of course, going back to the Azteca, right? So um, I guess with some of those movements, maybe we'll see some clubs move, um, change venues, fill out some of the spots that are currently empty these these are all of course speculations um we do know that the one team that has won promotion is the Alepries, right from ohaha and um aside that technically speaking the the grasshoppers the stadium has a capacity of 14950 so technically speaking does not fulfill the requirements but it's a facility that can be expanded. So, um, and Oaxaca is actually one of the big cultural centers in Mexican football. Um, in not Mexican football, sorry, in Mexico in particular. So it'd be interesting to see what they do. Um, really interesting to see what they do. I could see someone like Sinaloa go up, a time team that has played there in the past. But I mean, this is all speculation, Bryce, because we don't know. We don't even know if this is actually going to be the format that they're going by. Yeah, it's it's all secretive stuff once again uh, by the FMF, isn't it? It's 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 just it's it's hard to know. It'd be nice to have a bit of transparency or um, well, just something in concrete maybe. But um, let's um, let's uh, move on, I, I suppose, from this. Unless is there anything else uh, with it that you'd like to speak about, Manu? Otherwise, let's talk about um, I suppose the the latest uh, Liga MX uh, games. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. I mean, we don't actually know yet what they're fully doing. Um, they're talking about something like an analysis will be carried out upon viability of clubs that want to continue in Liga MX, eh, whatever that means. So let's talk about football, shall we? Enough of this political stuff. Yeah. 
yeah, that sounds good to me. Let's not talk about uncertainties and that. Let's let's talk about what's actually been going on, I think. So, I suppose we missed out on last week's podcast. So we apologize for that. But, um, unfortunately, a few things just wouldn't go our way, which uh, is a bit of a rarity. But we're back now, and we're going to talk about uh, Liga MX games. So, let's talk... Well, I suppose... Let's touch on Santa Laguna Watch, which we've been um, trying to pu- push this year, this campaign. We feel that we don't talk about them enough. And they've moved to the top of the table with another win uh, this weekend. Sees them beating Nakaxa away from home 2-1. And Manu, who scored? Janini! Yes, he did. Janini Watch continues as well. He's now the top goal scorer in the campaign, sitting with 12. Uh, I mean, for for a guy who was around um, in in the league, but um, you know, rather unheard of. Um, no one was really talking about him. He's having a fantastic campaign, really out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the club is having a good campaign too. They're, they're now first in the standings. They have averaged, uh, two points a game, uh, six wins, two draws, um, two defeats. I mean, um, that's, that's outstanding. And Giannini, 12 goals in 10 games. That's a hell of a good record. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to keep that up. Um, because, you know, sooner or later, Sooner or later, someone's going, going to figure out how they're playing. But it's just, Santos Laguna for a long time was a site that we didn't really talk that much about because they were kind of like falling and going under the radar. You know, this is a team that has won the title in the past. It's a very well-run club. Um, when you talk about infrastructure and uh, new infrastructure, they have done that. They, they were only founded in 1983. Um, I remember the first time I saw them when they played the Montreal Impact and eliminated them. Um, but yeah, when you look at their facilities, a brand new stadium, uh, lots of corporate boxes, um, sponsored by Corona. Um, so there's money there, right? So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a, a well-run team and, um, doing really good stuff. And I mean, they discovered someone like Janini who's, 12 goals in a short season is a lot of goals already on its own, right? So I, I think that this is a team that we need to watch. Yeah, very much so. And yeah, Manu, you beat me to it in saying that they're a side that um, I suppose in recent years we haven't seen um, too much from. They've been a bit up and down, really, haven't they? Or or sitting around uh, mid-table more than often, but always been very good at um, producing uh, youth players. And yeah, they've, they've, they've got a, a very good foundation there for a, what should be a successful club. And it, it seems like we're seeing that a little bit more so now. I mean... Um, Ten games played, uh, only two lost. I mean, it's it, it's a, definitely a strong start by them. It will be testing uh, as we get on to the next few weeks. I mean, next week they're going to face uh, Monterey, which will be tricky enough. But uh, Monterey are, are, are side well, not to use that phrase again, but I'm going to have to have a hit and miss, which is hard to believe after the last campaign them being. Well, so hits, they, they, they were the team to watch, but, um, they managed to lose to Puebla this week. But, uh, San Laguna, you know, we'll, we'll, um, go into that game, you know, with, um, you know, all the confidence in the world that they can really take it to Monterey. If they attack them, though, that might be something that Monterey will actually quite like. So I think Santa Laguna will, will be best to sit up, um, a little bit cautious. If I'm being honest, I mean, Monterey, we've just, we've always mentioned that they don't like much of the ball and that they will hit you ferociously on the counter. Um, and that is, um, something they'll have to be wary of. But, uh, with Giannini and, um, in, in good form, well, why not? Why, why wouldn't they, um, notch up your seventh win of the campaign? So, um, I think things are, are looking very bright for them. It will be a test, not just um, taking on uh, Monterey, but when they get into the latter stages of the final few games to see if they still have the legs. And then when they, um, well, it's looking it's looking pretty good for them, um, I suppose, at the moment, getting into the gear, but uh, things can all change. But if they get into that, that'll be a real test for them, I think, just to see uh, what they're made of. Uh, can they go all the way? Um, 
in the closet. Things are looking good now, but um, let's not get our hopes up just yet. Let's see um, where we're at after, you know, uh, match day, maybe you know, 14 or 16, and, and then we'll be able to assess just um, how good they are. Uh, but, um, man, you and I mentioned, um, well, it was actually Ollie was the first one to send this uh, message around uh, saying he's back, and it's Rui Diaz, and it's someone that you and I thoroughly uh, enjoy, and what a goal he managed to score for uh, Morelia. Uh, that was against Atlas um, this weekend. And, yeah, I mean, his goal to put them 2-1 up, I mean, it just falls um, somewhere between the D and the uh, penalty spots, and it sits up um, perfectly for him just to do not a bicycle kick, I wouldn't say, but almost like a flying volley. And he hits that you know, with all the power he's got and puts it in the back of that. It, just delightful and you really is just just a fantastic player you know, for for hmm. obviously Morelia for entertainment and just for uh league mx isn't he oh yeah absolutely and someone to watch when the world cup comes around because he's going to be playing for peru um if you haven't seen that goal yet there's i think soccer nerds tweeted it out and i think they also um they did like a little graphic change to it you know, made it into artwork. I think that was the entire idea behind it. Very cool stuff. So a big shout out to soccer nerds. They're fantastic stuff there. Um, yeah, check it out. And I mean, Rui Diaz has been, I mean, I put in the notes that just talk the entire podcast about him. <laughs> I think we could. Too. It's we could, a little too just, late for that. Now. Love the guy. It's a little too late for that now, but <laughs> I mean, that goal alone, so good. And, um, yeah, some interesting stats. He's now scored uh, 36 goals in 64 Liga MX games. That's a goal every 144 minutes. Um, that's, that's good numbers. And he's now 27. Um, he's at that, that age, you know, where you go to the World Cup and you could become one of those World Cup stars. You know, one of those players that all of a sudden burst onto the scene. There's always one, isn't there, Bryce? Right? Every World Cup year, um, we have a bunch of players that that are good and you know them because you watch a certain league. Um, you've watched that certain league day in and day out. So you know that certain players are good, but it's maybe a league that's not on everyone's radar. And then someone who doesn't play for one of the big countries either, right? So all of a sudden he's now going there with Peru and all he needs to happen is him to score a goal or two like that. And he will be. Everyone will be talking about him. Everyone will be talking about readers and the, the magic that he can do. And, um, I think this is, this is going to be a very much a defining year for him, you know, because he was, of course, he's, of course, plays for Morelia, um, a team that he more or less rescued last year, shot him in the, the playoffs and he's doing very good stuff with them this year again. And I think that this is, this is a very decisive year for readers because if he, everything goes well, well, we could be talking about him. Oh, yeah, I remember when he played in Liga MX, right? So uh, really curious to see, um, first of all, playoffs and then World Cup. That's that's two very big things on his radar. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a great shot, if, I, if I'm being honest. I, I think he... Um I think he's always got the ability to do something special and, and that could happen in the World Cup. And maybe not said the consistency of what James Rodriguez did it in, in his uh, previous spell, uh, at a war, at the competition. But I think, uh, I think if Rui Diaz does one or two bright moments like this, it'll not just give us something to talk about, but you never know where, where he could, um, get attention from. But I, I hope not too much attention that he would end up leaving, uh, Morelia and leaving the league because we, we really do love him that much. Um, Morelia will be taking on Veracruz in the, uh, the next matchup. And I'm sure someone like, um, like Rui Diaz will really fancy his chances of uh, adding another spectacular goal or two. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, that that actually sees Morelia sitting in seventh um, after that. And yeah, things are looking rather good for them getting into league. Yeah, but we are a long way uh, from it all being over. So, okay, and Manu, unfortunately, we're going to have to move on to something that you love also 
and Pumas, after things starting so brightly for them, things just don't quite look the same. We don't really know what's happened. I mean, they were sitting at the top of the table, but since then, we've seen them have have quite a, a run of games. We've seen them lose to Veracruz, something that we had um, not anticipated. I don't think anyone had anticipated that. Uh, but then also lose to Tijuana 4-1, which is another nightmare result for them. Then they got a man sent off, but managed to draw against Chivas, a side that they were probably hoping to beat. Most teams in the league are hoping to beat uh, these days. And then... After that, following it up with a 3-0 loss to, to Club Leon. Manu, it, it seems to be a bit of a disaster uh, at the moment. Uh, they, they've resumed what they had been like in the Apertura and what we'd seen, well, basically uh, in both campaigns last season. Yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? Because it seems like uh, things always start so well for them and then fall apart just as quickly. Um, bit of discontent, too. Between Pablo Barrera and Coach Patino, um, something to watch. You know, um, was, Barrera was subbed off and uh, kicked off a whole bunch of water bottles, widely uh, to see on television. Um, not great. So, yeah, stuff is going on. Um, maybe that is the reason behind what's happening is that there's just trouble brewing at Pumas. The, the side has um, started so well and maybe a bit of a honeymoon with the new coach and um, maybe the honeymoon is just over. It's it's an, it's an interesting one because I do actually think that they now have the quality to do better um, with the new signings that they brought in. I think that they actually they could do better. And they, we have seen, I mean, Bryce, just a few weeks ago, we talked about how good they were, right? And all of a sudden the, the wheels come off and that's usually when, when you didn't see stuff like that with frustration, etc., Maybe it's um, a coaching issue. Yeah, it, it it seems bizarre, doesn't it? You that a team could fall off so bad. Um, I I think that's a great shout in that it might be a coaching issue. I mean, players, you know, you're playing that well. You know, should be able to. Uh, well, maybe not keep that momentum, but they they should be able to produce better results than all of a sudden dropping off and. And losing the likes of three nil, you know, to to Leon and four one to Tijuana and even the Veracruz. I mean, they they should have been able to pull this round. I mean, football's football. You'll always see um, a shock uh, defeat results. You know, maybe a coach gets a setup wrong, or maybe a team gets complacent and another team's more up for it. But but you know, for this to happen so many games in a row is. It, it, it's yeah, it, it, it it's kind of reeking off um, there being problems there. I mean, mm. they they picked up one point out of a a possible twelve. You know, it, it does see them sitting in ninth, but I mean, if they had a you know picked up those twelve or even ten in that, they'd be looking so comfortable. And these are games that we would have expected them to to win. You know, um, I I I I can't really understand it, but. You might be right in saying that that is a, a coaching issue. Um, there, there seems to be a lot wrong with uh, mm. with Pumas at times, and just when we thought that they maybe resolved them, they seem to have uh, dropped off once again. Um, taking on uh, Toluca, who um, are run of uh, three straight wins, uh, four wins in, in five, and sitting in third is the last thing that they're going to want to face um, this weekend, and. Yeah, I I can only see a, a Toluca victory on that. So, what about you, Manu? Well, hopefully not. <laughs> no, there, there needs to be things need to improve. But sometimes, you know, when you have that anger, when you have that kind of sort of anger, um, maybe that can release something. And um, the, the Barrera and Patino said that they will sit down and discuss this. So, so maybe they can sort out the issues. Um, they need to win. You know, just win a game, get get back. I think that this. It, this is not um, a squad composition issue, but more there seems to be other things going on. So get the three points one way or another and uh, get the season back on track. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, a win can just um, clear, you know, uh, people's um, pessimism, I, th- I think. And yeah, beating uh, Toluca, who's sitting in third, and stop that winning run. 
you know, could just be the thing that they, they need to do. But, um, Manu, I suppose our, our last big topic of the day will be to talk about uh, the Classico, mm. where we've seen uh, Chivas, um, who have been struggling uh, these last few months, um, ever since they did win the Classico last year, um, taking on a Club America. So this is obviously uh, the two biggest sides. The sides have won the most amount of... Uh, of Mexican titles over the years, um, taking each other on. But um, I suppose just like uh, Chivas's form of um, last um, ten months or so, um, this this one was not uh, not one that we're going to want to remember. Really, it was a bit lackluster. But finished one all. I'd I'd imagine uh, America would normally say that if they went to Chivas and got a draw, it would be a good result. But um, under the circumstances, they probably would have liked to have won that one. But it does seem America sitting in second while Chivas is still in that lowly 16th, as I mentioned, with only one win in 10. Um, unfortunately, man, this, this is one occasion that... We're not really going to have a great deal to, to mention here. Both goals uh, came early on, and there wasn't really too much else to report, which is a, uh, unusual. Well, the thing is, like, Club America had the majority of the play in this one. They were they were quite... I thought they would have deserved the win. Well, they didn't have... <laughs> sorry. They didn't have the majority of the play. They had the majority of action. Um, they did not have the majority of possession. Chivas did. Um <laughs> Hashtag Chivas love to have the ball as yeah, well, they don't they? But the they ball. just don't seem to do very much with it. No. Um but Club America definitely had the better game and um on the counter looked good, very good at times. And it's really Rodolfo Cota, the the keeper, uh Chivas keeper, really kept Chivas in this match at times and then had had a very good performance. Um, I actually thought that this was a game that, you know, going back, looking into stats and, um, I re rewatched it actually last night. Um, I thought it would have deserved more goals just by going by the open play. So, um, I thought this was a good game. It was an interesting game. Um, and I think you spot on saying that Club America Usually when you go to Guadalajara, you think, okay, well, one point, that's, that's not too bad, right? Um, although there's so much on the line in this classical, um, in terms of rivalry, um, between those two teams that you always want to win it, which is probably why Chivas played better than what the league standing suggests. Uh, that rivalries can be, rivalries sometimes transcend, uh, league standings, don't they? Um, all of a sudden when you're in a big rival match, being, um, further down the table and the, your biggest rivals further up the table. All of a sudden that goes out the window, doesn't it a little bit? And I, I had a sense that was what happened here. I thought it was an intriguing game and a game that maybe deserved a few more goals. Yeah, I couldn't agree more when you say that sometimes your rivalries go beyond uh, form, um, statistics and even league tables. And, um, and that, that seems to happen, um, all too often, but, um, this one, it's, I suppose a draw would suggest that, uh, because really, um, if you look at the, at the table in recent form, you would say America should really, um, ha- have had the better of this, uh, result. But, yeah, unfortunately, guys, we just don't really have, um, much to really mention with it. There was plenty of, um, half chances, will we say, but nothing, uh, real clear cuts and a, a bit of a, a disappointing, um, performance. So it's, that can also have more rivalries, right? Game can be hyped up too much and it doesn't quite live up to it. But um, I suppose we should probably look at the fixtures next week and talk about uh, what are going to be the more positive ones. Um, in the UK, we always talk about this 6 o'clock um, 6 p.m. Uh, kickoff game on the Sunday, a game that's going to be a bit more accessible, and that's going to see that Pumas versus a Toluca game, which we mentioned. That's um, Pumas uh, rather off form, but uh, Manu's uh, well, a team that uh, Manu likes to see uh, do well, but um, who have really fell off. But uh, Toluca sitting in third. Toluca have been an entertaining watch these last few weeks. They've managed to take on and beat Pachuca. Who, um, 
and it seems like not that long ago were the champions, but uh, they've kind of fallen off uh, as well. And before that, they beat Carataro and Santa Laguna. So, so yeah, to look at fine form, and uh, that might be a rather entertaining game. We could see them go to a fourth straight win. But you've got other big games like uh, I suppose Tigres taking on uh, Cholos, uh, which is uh, the 1 a.m. kickoff in the UK. Um, rather different time for you, I'd imagine, Manu. But mm. that would be another game that I would probably label as being quite an interesting one. And the third one, Santa Laguna taking on Monterey top of the table against the last um, campaign's top of the table. Uh, w- would you agree with me about highlighting those three uh, for the reasons that I have, Manu? Yeah, absolutely. I would go 100% along with that. I, th- I think that's going to be a little more entertaining than the likes of uh, Atlas and Puebla, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Even though, even though Puebla are having a fairly yeah. decent run, I suppose, unbeaten in, in four, but Atlas... Yeah, we're better not talking about them, really. No. Um, I, I think that more or less does it for this week, uh, Manu, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to get our, well, not just our uh, Mexican uh, correspondent, but also our Swedish correspondent back on rather soon. I know he's going to be listening to us, enjoying every moment that we refer to him as that. Um but also, um, we're going to have plenty to talk about with the CONCACAF uh, Champions League going on. I would imagine that on Football Grad Live, you'll see uh, plenty of, uh, well, plenty of information about it. But we see some match reports, some previews, will we, Manu? Yeah, there's going to be a preview up on um, the Toronto Tigers game. So yeah, that, that will, Chris just sent me the image. Chris is our image guy. So he just sent the image over. So I'll probably type that up tonight. Bryce. Um, so yeah. it might be out at the same time this podcast is out. Well, that would be perfect timing for any of our listeners. And Manu, will you go to Seattle? No. It's... No. Uh, You're still kind of tempted, I can tell you. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little tempted. And there's still time to put in a media uh, accreditation request, but mm. it might be... You never know. That the problem is, so I, I live on an island, and it's uh, I live on an island that's very close to Vancouver and Seattle. But it's still winter schedule for some of the boats, which means I will have to actually go the evening before the game, stay for the game the entire day, and not be able to go back till the next day. So it's um, yeah. If I could go there the day off, watch the game, and then go back the next morning, it would be a different issue. But this two nights away, yeah, I'm not feeling that right now. <laughs> No, it might be a bit much, especially with how much we've got going on at the yeah. uh, at, at football grad with, obviously, um, Champions League, Europa League, and there's always likes of, um, well, the, the Russian, the Russian League, um, post-Soviet uh, nations, I suppose, uh, and Bundesliga. So there's there's plenty going on, and to try and wedge that in, that's understandable. But um, Manu, anything else you'd like to uh, bring uh, our listeners' attention to? Yeah, so all the Champions League um, previews are up um, on Fußballstadt.com, and then the uh, bunch of the Europa League previews are going up on uh, Football Grad. So the the um, we are a little bit in a tricky situation because one of the teams, uh, one of the games is Zenit against RB Leipzig. So the RB Leipzig Zenit game in Leipzig will be on Fußballstadt. Uh, the return leg will be on Football Grad. Um, yeah, and then of course the, the Toronto um, Tigers preview will be up by the time this podcast is out. And then of course Champions League games. Chris is in Liverpool. He's doing a match report, I believe. And then uh, we'll have the the match reports for the uh, the German sides in the in the Europa League as well. So there's tons of coverage. It's all at Football Grad Live. Yeah, unfortunately the L Tre uh, players uh, playing for Porto. At Anfield, which mm. Chris will be at. Um, well, they've got a hell of a job on their hands. Um, coming back from a 5-0 deficit. Um, I would like to say, come on, lads, you can do it. But to be honest, I'm a Liverpool fan, so I don't want that to happen. So, sorry, fellas. Uh, but, um, yeah, that more or less does it, I think, uh, for today. Um, guys, head over to at Football Grad Life on Twitter. There's loads of content there's uh, loads of articles and loads of interesting uh, chat on there and yeah interact with us also the Galazzo podcast uh, Twitter feed you know you feel 
free to ask questions on there or or tell us uh, what we should or should not be uh, talking about. And the same as uh, Manu's uh, feed and mine on Twitter. Just interact. We we always like to hear from you guys. But um, yeah, plenty going on. And um, until then, we'd just like to say thanks for tuning in and good night. the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.